Lamentations, chapter 1 and verse 3. Lamentations, chapter 1 and verse 3. Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction and because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen, she findeth no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. And we'll start with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for being able to be here tonight. Lord, I just ask that you would just... um, be with me, Lord, and just um, help calm my nerves. I pray, Lord, that you would just um, speak through me and that um, you'd give me the wisdom and the right words to say, Lord. I pray that you'd just um, forgive me, Lord, if I do say anything that's wrong. And I pray that you'd just allow those things to be forgotten so that only your perfect truth would remain, Lord. I pray that you'd just um, give us all the understanding to um, be able to understand what is said tonight, Lord, and that um, we would be able to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Continuing on through our study of Lamentations and so far we've already looked at verses 1 and 2 already or only. Um, In verse 1 we have seen the great fall that sin brings. In verse 2 we saw the the great grief that sin bestows. And now in verse 3 we get to see the great captivity that sin binds us in. The great captivity that sin binds us in. And the world is already enslaved to sin and has been since Adam and Eve rebelled against God. And that has has all been the way of the world for a long time. And then God began to pick certain individuals out, those who showed a loyalty to his, his ways. And this... Became, went to a, became, a, became a people, the Jews. The Jews were set apart from the world and given God's commandments. Just because they were given God's commandments, however, it did not mean that they didn't struggle with sin. Any study of the Old Testament would show that it didn't take long for the Jews to begin to turn against God or to refuse to do what he had commanded them. And just like the Jews, we have been set apart from the world. We have been freed from sin by Christ's sacrifice. He paid the price of our redemption. And just like the Jews, we still are plagued by our sinful nature. And it's necessary for us to be cautious of our old sinful nature. Because sin will bind us. It may not take away our salvation, but can certainly enslave us to to the worldly lusts. And C.S. Lewis once said that the enemy will not see you vanish into God's company without an effort to reclaim you. And as Christians, we ought to be on guard, lest sin tempt us and bind us and drag us into captivity, as it did the Jews. In Lamentations chapter 1 verse 3, what we find a Four facts about the great captivity in which sin binds us. Four facts about the great captivity in which sin binds us. And as we study through these four facts, let them serve as a warning for us. So that if we are tempted by sin, 
we know where it will end up and that should encourage us to be vigilant, to stay away from it, to refuse its temptation. And the first thing, the first fact that we find about this great captivity in which sin binds us is the extent of the captivity, the extent of their captivity. Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction and because of great servitude. Firstly, notice that it does not say Jerusalem is gone into captivity. In verses 1 and 2, Jeremiah has been talking mainly about Jerusalem and revealing how she had fallen and how she had great grief. But now he turns his attention to the entire nation of Judah. Judah itself had turned, Judah in in its entirety had turned against God. There may have been small pockets of people who still obeyed God, but the majority had forsaken God. And because of that, all of Judah was now punished. But all of Judah did not suddenly forsake God. It didn't happen overnight. It happened bit by bit. Small compromises were made. As they looked around them and saw what the nations around them had, they began to crave those things. And sin may start by ensnaring small portions of our lives. But its main goal is to completely dominate us. And that's what it did with, the, with Judah. It started bit by bit, compromise by compromise, and soon nearly the entire nation was living like the world around it. And it's no surprise that this is how it does this is how sin works. This is how the devil attacks us. First Peter chapter five verse eight tells us that the devil is likened unto a, a roaring lion. We are to be told we are told to be sober and vigilant because he is seeking whom he may devour. And for the most part, lo- part lions will hunt down small, easy prey. And for many years, scientists who studied lions in Africa believed that there was one thing that lions would never attack, and that was elephants. Elephants were too big, too strong. They travelled in groups that made them a dislikable target. However, scientists have now discovered that in desperate situations, lions will even attack an elephant and will kill it. However, the lions are not foolish in this. They know when it comes to attacking such a large creature, caution must be taken. Therefore, they won't attack during the day where the elephant can see them. They won't attack during the day when the elephant can see where its friends are. When the elephants have such an advantage, the lions will keep their distance. But come night, the lions will come out in force. But they still don't, don't attack straight away. Instead, they seek to cause confusion first. They do this by surrounding the, the pack of elephants. 
and they'll begin to roar at different locations, confusing the elephants, not knowing where the lions are. They'll begin to look for the weak ones, the vulnerable ones, those too young to make much of a fight or too weak or injured. And during all this confusion, they will split those ones apart from the group. And once they have achieved that, they will attack en masse. And come morning, all that will be left is a carcass. Judah was enticed bit by bit until it was consumed by sin. They didn't see it coming. They were blinded by their own ignorance. And by the time they realised how far they had fallen, their enemy was already at their gates. Now, Lamentations gives us a reason for Judah's captivity. Because of affliction and because of great servitude, This, often, this usually refers, most people agree that this usually refers to the rich and powerful mistreating the poor and the weak. And masters of the Hebrew servants refusing to release their slaves after six years of service. This had been the commanded of them by God in Exodus 21 verse 2 and in Deuteronomy chapter 15 verse 12. God had set that as a statute as a commandment that after six years they were to release their brethren. But after looking around at what the heathen nations did with their slaves, after seeing how the heathen nations refused to let their slaves go free, the rich and the powerful began to do the same. And in Jeremiah chapter 34, God pronounces that this breaking of his commandment will bring upon them his judgment. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 34. We won't read it all. <clears throat> but Jeremiah chapter 34, just starting in verse 12. <clears throat> Therefore the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from, from the Lord, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, I made a covenant with your fathers in the day that I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondmen, saying, At the end of seven years, let ye go every man his brother and Hebrew, which hath been sold unto thee. And we have served thee six years, thou shalt let him go free from thee. But your fathers hearkened not unto me, neither inclined their ear. And ye were now turned, and had done right in my sight, in proclaiming liberty every man to his neighbour. And ye had made a covenant before me in, in the house, which is called by my name. But ye turned and polluted my name, and caused every man his servant, and every man his handmaid, whom he had set at liberty at their pleasure, to return, and brought them into subjection, to be unto you for servants and for handmaids. Therefore thus saith the Lord, ye have not hearkened unto me in proclaiming liberty, every one to his brother, and every man to his neighbour. Behold, I proclaim a liberty for you, saith the Lord to the sword, to the pestilence, and to the famine, and I'll make you to be removed un into all the kingdoms of the earth. Here God pronounces judgment for the breaking of his commandment. See, what the Jews did was they released their slaves after the time period, and then they forced them to return. They told them that their due was not paid. 
And until they had completed that, they were still slaves. And this behaviour, this breaking of God's command, shows two things about the people of Judah. Firstly, that they had stopped obeying God's commands. This was but one of many failings to obey God's commands. And secondly, it showed how Judah had become more like the nations around them. They no longer stood out. Instead of releasing their brothers after the time period, they kept them in serv- as servants because that's what the other nations around them did. They had allowed the influence of other nations to influence them. Now this is why God commanded the Jews to stay away from the other nations. This is why he told them to utterly destroy them when they were claiming the land. Because he knew the Jews would be enticed by the other nations. That they would begin to act more and more like those nations instead of trusting in God. Instead of doing his commandments. And likewise, we can convince ourselves to compromise a little from time to time. We give in to sin in small areas of our lives, thinking it won't have a drastic effect. But bit by bit, sin will slowly begin to affect us. And the longer we compromise and allow it a place in our lives, the greater it will have an effect, the more it will claim. It will slowly change us until finally, despite being saved, we resemble more of the world in appearance, in attitude, and in actions. This is why God commands us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 to 18, to be kept to, to keep worldly influences at a distance. Sin will carry us away. It will enslave us. But where will it enslave us? What is the place of this captivity? Well, this is the second fact that we find about the great captivity in which sin binds us. The place of captivity. Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction, because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen. Because the people of Judah had turned their backs on God, God had allowed them to be conquered by the Babylonians. God had allowed the Babylonians to come in and and they enslaved most of the inhabitants of Judah. Those who remained fled from the land of promise to other nations such as Egypt. They were far removed from their homes, they were far removed from their families and friends, and they were far removed from their God. Their sin had carried them away. Their sin had allowed enemies to come in And because of this, they had been carried away to the lands of their enemies. They had sought to be more like those heathen nations. They adopted the heathen nations' gods. They adopted the heathen nations' characteristics, their way way of life. And now the heathen nations came and conquered them. They know they conquered them because they knew they weren't part of the heathen nations. They were different. It was punishment from God. 
And sin does carry us away. That is what sin does. Soon sin in our lives will carry us away from our families. It will carry us away from our friends. And it will carry us away from God. This is because sin affects our interests. This is because sin affects our focuses. Instead of focusing on God and what he would have us to do, instead of being interested in what God or law is saying, interested in what God would have for our lives, we begin to focus on worldly pleasures and what the world does. And as our interests change, as our focuses change, we begin to seek out those who share in our new interests, share in our new way, way of life. We leave those who would hold us back from this new path and when we find someone who has this, uh, walks this new path, we go with them. And this will carry us even further away as they begin to lead us further and further away from God, showing us more and more worldly habits to try because what's the harm in them? Christ warns us against the cares of this world. Turn with me to Luke in chapter 8. <clears throat> Luke in chapter 8. Here we find the parable of the sower. And regarding the seeds that fell upon the thorns in verse 14, Christ tells us, And that which fell among the thorns are they, which when, when they ha have heard, go forth, and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. Here those who at first accept the word are choked by the cares of this world. They're enticed away by all that the world offers. And that, and that binds them, that sin brings them into captivity, and they live like the world. We ought to be careful because that's where sin will take us. We must remember that we have been saved out of the world. Do we dare to put our feet even by its edge so that it may drag us back in? And we think, and the world will try to convince us that by living like the world we will have more rest. That we'll be able to have an easier life. We don't need to stand up so much because we'll have the majority with us. But this captivity of sin brings restlessness. And that is the third fact that we find about this great captivity, the restlessness of it, the restlessness of captivity. See, Judah was carried away as slaves and this meant that they were forced to serve their new masters. They were subject to their master's whims and desires. And refusing to obey or being lazy and lying down on the job would often result in painful punishment and even death. In fact, their masters had the power to torture them without reprisal. Slaves were no longer people, they were property. And masters could do with them as they pleased. And this brought a great deal of unrest within Judah, within the people of Judah. 
They feared for their lives day and night. They feared what would come in the, on the next day. But what is interesting to find is they were warned a long time ago that this would be the punishment for turning away from God's commandments. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Just firstly looking at verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now if you read the remaining, the rest of chapter 28, you'll find that there are a lot of curses that God promises will come upon Israel. However, if you jump forward to I've lost my way. Ah, verses 64. <clears throat> and the Lord shall scatter thee among all people, from the one end of the earth even unto the other, and there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest. But the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart, and failing of eyes, and sorrow of mind. And thy life shall hang in, in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shalt have none assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, Would God it were even, and at even thou shalt say, Would God it were morning, for the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear, and, the, and for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. Here God tells them that if you t do not follow my laws, you will be scattered among heathen nations, and you will fear for your lives day and night. You will have no rest. You will have no peace. And sin has a similar effect in our lives. It carries us away and makes slaves of us. It may not enslave us to people, but it will certainly enslave us to worldly habits, addictions. Consider those who take up drinking alcohol. It may be started just as a small drink with some new friends. But soon they become an alcoholic and that addiction becomes their master. And they must fulfill their master's wishes. When that master begins to tap them on the shoulder and say, I want a drink and I want it now, they have no choice but to obey it. The same can be said for any worldly habit or addiction. Once we are carried away with sin and become addicted to something, we are their slaves. And going too long without fulfilling that addiction can be painful. It can have both consequences physically and mentally. But there is another reason why, as Christians, we have a restlessness when we live like this. And that is because there is a war within us. A war between the flesh and the spirit. We have a new nature. We have the spirit that indwells us. And when we begin to live like the world, it taps us on the shoulder and says, this is not how you ought to be living. It tells us constantly that God has not, or this is not what God would have for you. Turn back. And if we are carried away, that voice may grow quiet from time to time but it is still there. And in the quietness sometimes of that 
life, when a person sits down and looks back on what all that has happened, they will see that that voice is still there, calling them back to God. Making days that would, should seem relatively peaceful, restless. And they may, may, begin to, may begin to consider how it is that they ended up in such a state. How did their life get into such a mess? How did they walk away from God? And this leads us to the fourth fact about the great captivity in which sin binds us. And that is the trap that leads to that captivity. The trap that leads us to that captivity. Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction and because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen, she findeth no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. This phrase about all her persecutors overtook her between the straits carries with it the idea of a hunter who chases his prey into a dead end. And this is what the, the, her, the enemies of Judah had done. The enemies of Judah often would, would, would chose to chase those who escaped cities into dead ends where they could capture them without any problems or slaughter them with ease. But more importantly, sin had led Judah into a place where there was no escape possible for them. Sin had led them to turn their back on God and without his help, they stood no chance. And all her enemies who were waiting for their chance took it. They overtook her and consumed her. And this is how sin traps people. It overtakes us. It tries to get us to a place where there is no help, no means of escape. The thing that makes a trap truly effective is not whether it can harm a person or kill something, but rather what makes a trap effective is that the prey doesn't see it coming. See, if the prey sees the trap, then they will avoid it. But when it is hidden, when, the, when it is only revealed at the last second, when there is no time to react, then it is a truly effective trap. And the devil is a master hunter. And he knows just how to place the right trap at the right time, at the right place, and how to hide it so perfectly that we would never see it coming until it is too late. And this is why it is so necessary for us to have a right relationship with God. This is why it is so necessary for us to read his word, to pray, with him, to, pray to him constantly, to ensure that our relationship with him is all that it should be. Because when we are doing these things, we are walking in his footsteps and he leads us on a path that is safe from the traps. When we are by his side and we are about to step onto a trap, he can grab us and tell us to watch out for it. He can tell us not to go down that path because it's a dead end. He can tell us to avoid those people because they will lead us into a trap. 
And the only, that is the only way we can avoid these traps, trusting in God. If the Jews had done this, if the Jews had never turned their back on God, then they would have survived any assault the Babylonians could have attacked them with. They could have survived the Medo-Persians, they could have survived the Greeks, and they could have survived the Romans. But because they turned their back on God, because they thought they knew the best course of action, because they wanted to be more like those around them, then God let them go down those paths. And when they realised that they had made a mistake, it was already too late. We must remember that we are at war and we need to be vigilant because attacks can come from anywhere. And often when they come, they come where we are at our most weakest and vulnerable point. So let us be... Let us remember these four facts about the great captivity that sin binds us in. That the extent of that captivity is everything, our entire life. That place of captivity is out in the world. There is no rest in that captivity. And it will often be because we have led ourselves into a dead end, into a trap. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear, dear Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would just um, help us, Lord, to have a right relationship with you, Lord, that you would just be able to guide us away from the traps that sin and the devil set, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would just um, help us to search our lives and make sure that sin has no holding there, Lord, that any um, compromises that we have may, have may have had with the world, that you would just help to correct, Lord, and that we would be able to live for you how we ought to. I pray that you just help guide us away from temptation and, and to live lives that were pleasing to you, Lord. And in Jesus' name, amen.